Welcome to the Wealth Standard Podcast with host Patrick Donahoe, author of the best-selling personal finance book, Heads I Win, Tales You Lose, and one of the nation's most influential financial advisors. The Wealth Standard's focus this season is investing. 2020 opened with markets and asset prices at all-time highs, but many of us experience more financial uncertainty now than we did a decade ago. Although there are more choices and opportunities than ever before, the risk-to-reward ratio teeters on a global fulcrum, contributing to the roller coaster of emotions surrounding financial well-being. It seems like everyone is walking on eggshells. This season, we'll cover topics revolving around investment theory and strategy, atypical investments versus conventional investments, and the role of investing within personal wealth strategies. The Wealth Standard Podcast is committed to inspiring you to be more financially free. There is no better time to gain clarity about your wealth strategy, your investments, and your financial future than now. Hey everyone, this is Patrick. Thank you for tuning into this part two episode of uh, the top five financial actions to take during times of crisis. I hope you enjoyed last week's episode. If you haven't listened to it, definitely go back. It sets the stage for these more practical things uh, to do and it, go to thewellstandard.com. The show notes has a bunch of links as well as our resources section of the website. I'm here doing a uh, part two and this is where rubber hits the road. For those of you guys who have been listening for a long time, I'm big on mindset. I'm big on being in the right mindset because I believe that that is a precursor to the best decisions and the best actions to take, which ultimately leads to the best uh, results. Right now, we live in very different times. We live in times that can throw us off kilter and times that I would say we'll look back on and either celebrate for how much we benefited from them, or on the contrary, we look back on times that actually you know, destroyed us. You know, I go back to 2008, 2009, and I know families, people, friends who have still not recovered. And this is 12, 13 years ago. They haven't recovered, right? Because they are telling themselves a story about what happened, why it happened. And typically it relates to them and not necessarily what they control, but it relates to the blame that they're placing on others and also not using those circumstances to learn valuable lessons and do something about it. I believe these times are going to create those two camps, okay, those same exact two camps, the camps, the smaller one, right, that actually capitalized on the environment. And then the one that tucktailed, ran, blamed others and played the victim. Right. And I understand where people are at. I understand that, you know, there's so many that look at life happening to them. Right. And that they should get this treatment. They should get this benefit. They should get this people, you know, essentially serving them as opposed to them figuring out how to properly serve themselves and serve others. I would say reverse that serve others in order to serve themselves. That's where I'm at. I think this episode is going to be interesting because we're going to get into some very practical things. And they're just things that, that very few people have done. I have had the opportunity to advise thousands and thousands of people, collectively with my team, more than that. We see the same things, right? It's very seldom do we find these outliers and 
anomalies when it comes to how they manage their finances. But there are definitely signs of what is worth for people, what will work for you. Now is the time to essentially use the shock that you're getting, right? Based on what's going on in the environment and use that shock to kind of snap out of it and be in the position to adopt some new habits, adopt some new behaviors. It's a prime time to do that. So number three, so remember first was mindset and state and mindset. Okay. And again, those two equations, state, story, strategy, and principles, processes, products, okay, in those sequence. So not executing a strategy until state and story is in line, and then not buying a product, right? Or creating a product if you're an entrepreneur, business owner, or even like yourself, right? As a product of service, it's the principles first. What are the principles? Where's their value? Where's their exchange? Okay. And then processes. What's the process that you use to actually deliver that, right? Finding those two out first before you start to look at ways in which you can tweak the product, whether that's yourself or something you buy as a product, investment product, financial product, any other product. And this comes down to the investment decisions that you make as well, right? And it may be into a company that produces a certain product, but knowing the principle, knowing the process of that business, it's way more important than the product, <laughs> right? But yet most people are infatuated by the product. Uh, anyway, so that's most important, right? State and mindset. And then the second is uh, structure, right? It's your routine. It's the routine that you establish for yourself, right? Your morning routine, your meditation routine, your visualization, spiritual routine, how you read, structuring your day using Craig Ballantyne's perfect day formula. Another thing that I failed to mention in part one is the Tony Robbins priming exercise. And I'll make sure that we link to that in the show notes. These are ways in which you can establish your day. You don't even have to think about it. Pre-programmed, you don't have to spend energy on it. You commit and you do it. And what that does is it positions you to make the right decisions and take the right action. Okay, so here's the first action. Cash and cash flow. Okay, so I would say the first thing is you need to know what your expenses are, right? Your money in, money out. I think there's so much to buy these days that people are just that crazy, right? About buying this little thing, subscribing to this little thing. Now is the time to like slim down, trim the fat. So there's an awesome app that I use called You Need a Budget. So you need a budget.com. It's so simple and so easy where you know where your expenses are. But here's what's cool. You can start to use this app to figure out ways to reduce your expenses, right? Or and to be frugal, which I think is going to be necessary, right? I think the way in which we've consumed in the past is going to change. Supply change are completely disrupted. You're going to find that goods that were expensive are cheaper than the goods that used to be cheap. <laughs> and that I'm not going to get into that, but looking at how supply chains work because of how clunky it is now, right? Things are going to get stupidly expensive that once were really cheap. But I'm not going to put on that rabbit hole. But this is where I would do two things. Number one, right? You're going to want to definitely get a handle on where money is coming from and where money is going, establishing that budget and then starting to trim down. The first thing I would do in trimming down is to prioritize, right? Because there may, may be some situations in the coming months where you don't have income for a couple months. Okay. And you need to know where to cut and what to cut. Instead of making a decision then in the emotional frenzy, 
It's determining what are the priority of your bills right now. So going back to my 2008 and 2009 experience, right? I prioritized my finances, right? I knew what uh, I could get away with not paying and I knew what I had to pay, right? So the biggest priority for me was my contributions, right? Contributing, whether it's tithing or charity for you. And the second thing became my family, right? It was uh, the home we lived in and our transportation. And I had a car repossessed during that time because we didn't need two cars. And there came a month where it came down to my priorities of bills and I chose those priorities, but I determined that in advance. And I defaulted on quite a few business loans that I had because they weren't a priority. And obviously, since then, I paid everything back and everything cleaned up from a credit standpoint, as well as the relationship I have with creditors, my credit score, and so forth. So I'm fine now. But again, during those times of crisis, I had everything prioritized. Do that. Prioritize your bills okay? and know what you, if it came down to it and you only could pay a few, which ones would they be? Knowing that in advance is, uh, is huge. But now is also a nice time to negotiate. Okay? This could be negotiation with your landlord. I'm doing that right now, right? The commercial market, the office space market is going to get hammered. It's going to get cleaned. I mean, in my opinion, get cleaned out. I would be willing to bet the way in which we office, the way in which we work is going to completely change, completely change because of the experience of remote work, as well as obviously having stringent finances and realizing that, wow, there's a lot of expense that goes into my rent. So right now I'm in the process, you know, I have a 12 months left of a seven year lease on this building, which is building in way more space that I could ever use, even when there are people here, but we're renegotiating because the lease is up in 12 months. And I know that then is going to be a totally different environment than now. So I'm figuring out ways to cut there. You also look at your cable bill. You look at and negotiating with that, finding new deals. I guarantee most service providers are figuring out ways right now to cut because so many people are canceling. They're trying to figure out ways to discount this and discount that. But if you don't call, you're not going to get it. They're not just going to call you up and say, hey, we'd like to discount your internet bill or we'd like to discount your phone, right? These are times in which you can start to negotiate and find deals and cut your expenses, but still get the same services and goods. Also credit, right? Managing your credit. Most credit cards now give you a credit score for free. So monitoring that. We'll link to the show notes, but if you start to get credit dinged, okay, right? This is going to be an environment where it's going to happen potentially. Okay. And you just need to have the resources to be able to improve it, right? So Lexington Law is a company that we've used. I've used personally for years and years and years, and it's an easy service. Most of it's automated and all online. And we'll link to that in the show notes as well. This is also a time where, you know, I've seen some reports lately where you have a lot of people paying down credit. I think this is from a low credit standpoint. This is a time to not pay off your debt, not pay off your low interest debt. I remember back in 2008, 2009, right? This is when banks were cutting credit lines, business credit lines, home equity credit lines. I had a really big home equity line against my house. And I drew 100% of it, 100% of it. I didn't spend it, right? But it's in cash and it has low interest. And I look at the banks closing that down, okay? Versus me having the cash and paying interest on it. I'm going to take the low interest on it, right? Every single day of the week, because it's going to position me for making better decisions and taking some action that I can take now that I may not have been able to take if I didn't have access to cash, right? So right now it's like evaluate your debts, 
If it's low interest, do not pay them down. Keep cash. Cash is way more valuable, right? Than paying off something that you can't sell or getting the credit line completely cut and not being able to use it. I'd also, I'm going to link to something called the, the organic prepper.com. <laughs> it sounds kind of crazy, but you know, they have a whole section on their blog about being frugal, where you can cut, how to grow your own vegetables, a lot of ways in which you can learn to cook. There are some things that you can teach kids, start to study, and also find opportunities to have fun that don't require going to Disneyland or Disney World or vacation, right? And then also, I would say, start to understand bartering, right? This is going to be an environment where I would say trade is going to be way more prevalent than it had been in the past. Okay? And being able to, if somebody needs this, you can provide that. I believe this is the time to look for those opportunities. Okay, so that's three. Those are three for cash and cash flow. You want to have cash. And this is where the dry powder idea comes from, which is number four, financial actions, okay, is uh, keeping liquidity and keeping liquidity in areas that provide interest, but are susceptible to being taken, right? So obviously with my other company, Paradigm Life, we specialize in insurance products and, and how they play a role in personal finance. Right now, I have pretty much all my cash in these vehicles and well over a dozen different insurance policies because insurance companies have a contractual, they're contractually obligated to lend you that money. So it's one of those circumstances where I know that I have a tremendous amount of dry powder so that when opportunities do present themselves, I can capitalize on those really quickly. Plus I earn really good interest what the insurance company pays me as opposed to what a bank pays me. So diversify your liquidity. Right now, I think there's a lot of emotional decisions that go into buying metal, right? Buying gold, silver. I mean, these are the crisis investments, right? The crisis assets. And I have a lot of gold and silver. And if you don't have any, I would definitely encourage you to, to look into to that physically. And uh, there's a great blog, uh, Tom Dyson, who was a guest a few months ago. Tom is writing postcards from the fringe and he talks extensively about gold and its role in just history as far as how it has been used as the benchmark for money and is continuing to do that during this crisis, right? It's an already established rule despite how digital things have gone. It is already kind of an established habit that people have as far as what is safe during times of crisis, okay? And if there's ever an end to the long-term debt cycle, which we talked about with uh, the Richard Duncan episode, there's ever an end to that, right? Gold is typically the place to be because most likely the new long-term debt cycle is going to start with potentially a new reserve currency. Who knows? But anyway, it is one of those assets that you know typically is safe during times of crisis. Having all your money there, remember, you need to be smart about this. Consult with the wealth strategist, consult with the financial advisor in order to make the right decision there. I would also separate your dry powder from your general expense account. Okay? Create a savings account, create something that you have rules attached to. Right? I have rules attached to three accounts that I have where no money is spent out of those accounts and they don't pay bills. They don't pay off a credit card. Okay? They are not used for any expenses. They are used for opportunity. So create some sort of side account or repurpose an account you already have as your side account, your dry powder account. I would say sell things during this time, right? Donate them to charity, get the charitable deduction or sell them. Facebook marketplace, you know, you have local classifieds that are still widely being used. Uh, I have a buddy I used to work out with 
well, still kind of do at the same gym, but the gym's closed down. But he works for a classified section of uh, one of the local news organizations and they're freaking blowing up. It's crazy, right? So sell stuff, get some capital. Yes. And donate. That's another thing that I said. Okay. So now the last, uh, last section that we'll, then we'll wrap up. So number five is investments and assets. So this is a time, it's going to be a really interesting time, right? Because I remember back 2008, 2009, so many people got into investments, got into this deal, that deal, right? Because they were so emotionally vulnerable, right? That it was crisis, fear. Okay. I'll buy it. I'll subscribe. I'll do this. Right. And I'm starting to see a lot of it, especially when it comes to gold, silver, right? And it comes down to the dollar as the reserve currency is going to end. Anyway, the story there is so emotionally driven that it leads people to make poor decisions. I've made them in the past, right? I bought a ton of gold and silver, right? Because of these things, right? And I realized that it probably wasn't the best decision I could have made relative to the other decisions that I had, right? So you got to be smart here because the sales acumen of businesses is going to go up a lot. And so you have to be able to realize that behind every, I'm not saying that sales is bad. I'm part of my business is sales, right? I'm not saying that it's bad. Okay, but what I'm saying is that right now people are heightening their game when it comes to selling. Okay. So be aware of that and put yourself in that emotional state where you can, you know, operate the three sides of the coin, right? Three sides of the coin, heads, tails, and the edge. Right. A salesperson is never going to tell you not to buy what he's selling. Right. He's always going to tell you to buy it. That's one perspective. What's the other perspective? Most people don't go to the other perspective. Go to the other perspective. What would the opposite of what he is saying be? Who would save it or say it and find a person that is actually somewhat credible that is saying not to do whatever you're being sold? Now you have the two opinions. You can sit on the edge and make the best decision. Okay. And that really comes down to seeing both sides, getting more information, educating yourself. And now you've positioned yourself to make the best decision. That's one thing to be aware of. And also I would revert back to the emotional cycle, right? During the times of euphoria, it's the biggest financial risk that exists. Okay. The time between depression, what was the other piece again? The time between depression and despondency is the ideal place to make a decision. It's right at the bottom, the very bottom, right? Where everybody's saying not to do something. Blood in the streets, right? Is often the quote that's used. When there's blood in the streets, even if it's your own, that is when you should buy. That's not right now. It's not right now. That's why dry powder liquidity is vital. And we're going to be going down through this emotional stages, anxiety, denial, fear, desperation. Then as I said, capitulation, right? This investment's not for me. I'm getting out, never getting back in, right? Then despondency, depression. You're going to see this. There's so much money tied in the capital markets. There's so much money in pension funds and 401ks and IRAs. It's insane, right? And there's going to be a lot of selling because of what type of tsunami is going to hit here, whether it's GDP, whether it's second quarter earnings, whether it's third quarter earnings. It's going to be crazy. At the same time, that's one's perspective. You got to know the other perspective. And when you sit on the edge, now you can now analyze the additional information, which is emotional states, and that will help you start to buy in the right environments. So that's where I would say a lot of the investments right now are going to come from is that during that stage. But at the same time, you know, you guys know that I'm always big on business. That's my biggest investment. I'm my biggest investment because I'm not meant to be a trader. 
I have a lot invested in real estate. I actually sold more than half of my real estate last year just because I knew we were kind of in this kind of bubble place. But for me, I look at where I have the biggest opportunity, it's in business. And that's where I often communicate through the podcast, even though I do make investments. If you love investments and that is a passion of yours, okay, make it a side business of yours. Okay, that passion is going to give you the information, the expertise, and hopefully a lot of these ancillary things, as far as your emotional state is concerned, the structure of things is concerned, okay, the philosophical things, the psychological things, that will help you be a better business person. But how I look at businesses is leadership is number one. And what leaders do is they serve. And whether you're a leader or not, doesn't mean a leader in the formative terms, whether it's a formal terms, whether it's a manager or an executive, right? Or a director, right? I'm not saying that. Leader is an archetype. It's a persona, right? And that persona exists in you. It is inside of you, okay? That king and warrior inside of you, male or female, it's there, okay? You just have to know what that is, identify it, and figure out how to bring it to the service you provide others. People gravitate toward leaders. They're attracted by leaders. They follow leaders. Honing in those leadership skills allows you to leverage that and then help a lot more people. Because doing it by yourself, it's single dimensional and you're only going to get a certain amount of output from that, right? So as I said, really make some investment in yourself, even if it's just time, right? Finding opportunities to serve, okay? And do it without the expectation of pay, right? If you think there's something that would be valuable for a person or valuable as a business, try to do it for free, right? To see if it actually is valuable, right? Do more than what's expected, okay? Go out of your way to help people build and enhance relationships. These are things that don't require any money, but they do require the right state and mindset, okay? And also an identification of that leader inside of you. I would say this is a time also to You want to double down, right? Do the things you're most afraid of. Do the things that give you the most anxiety, okay? Do the things that you were afraid to do in the past. Just make the commitment and do it, okay? And the fear that exists, it's all mental fear, but that experience will teach you some tremendous lessons, right? And really help you to identify opportunities both in the short term and the long term. I'd also say that, Two more things when it comes to investments and assets. First, it's the idea of asymmetric risk and reward. So that's where making small bets, but getting huge upsides, multiples of those bets, getting the standard long-term interest rate, I would say is these are not the times where that's relevant. And I look at right now is being able to find deals. Now is the environment to find deals. Deals happen in disruption. Okay. So don't settle for small interest rates as far as your investments are concerned. Try to find the highest interest rates as it pertains to your tier one security guaranteed bucket, your cash, your liquidity. But when it comes from an investment standpoint, right? these are the times in which you can get multiples. You can get deals on them. 2010 was the best time right after the financial crisis of 2008, 2009. right? It was where everyone said that housing had crashed and nobody should get into the housing market. That was where I've seen I got a few deals during that period of time. I know people that totally cleaned up because of buying during that time. Okay. So now is a time where there's going to be tremendous disruption and opportunities to make some really good investments that give you this kind of asymmetric risk reward type of return, these multiple returns. Uh, And then finally, it's the identification of assets when it comes to cash flow. 
okay, in the end, capital gains okay, is going to become income, right? If you buy low and then sell high, okay, when you sell, that money is either going to be income or it's going to have to go into another investment. Who knows what the investment environment is going to be then? So that's where really focusing on your tier two and tier three assets, as I talk about in my book, Heads I Win, Tails You Lose, right? These are assets that produce monthly income, quarterly income, right? And this is income that's going to be consistent for a really, really long time, preferably leveraged income. Here is when more education is required, right? More information is required on your part so that you can make those right decisions. But I'm not saying that capital gains isn't necessary, but in the end, what gives true lasting wealth is income, right? Property values right now are going to tank, in my opinion. At the same time, those that bought for cash flow are going to be just fine, right? I think there's maybe some slight disruption to rents, but people need a place to stay, right? There could be some months between stimulus and responses by government to help tenants, right? And also help landlords where you may not get a month or two of rent. Okay. At the same time, it's going to be there, especially if you are uh, buying in the right, buying in the right, if you've bought in the right areas. So cash flow investments, there's going to be a ton of those. There's also going to be people that have gotten in the game in the last couple of years, and it may not have been the right time. The prices I sold my properties at last year, like the reason why I sold them is I would never, ever pay those prices for them. And it was at such a high level and the cash flow just wasn't justifiable. The, the values were just too high. Right. And then I decided to, to sell. I, I don't know if selling is appropriate right now. Probably not. At the same time, when it comes to the decisions you're going to make in the coming six months, year or so, that is where you want to get into investments that obviously produce a high amount of long term cash flow as well. All right, guys, that's what I wanted to cover in this kind of two part series is, you know, some financial decisions I believe are these are some of the core financial decisions to make during times of crisis. Right. I'm going to speak a lot to this as the months start to transpire, be topics from guests as well. Because I believe right now that if you can keep your head straight, right, if you can keep yourself liquid, if you can keep yourself lean and mean and efficient, you're going to crush it. There's tremendous opportunity to help. And I believe that if you guys continue to listen, continue to implement what I've talked about on the podcast the last couple of years, man, this is going to be just a prime environment to establish personal wealth beyond your expectations and beliefs before. But at the same time, you're going to be able to help a lot of people that are going to need it. All right, that's it. Guys, I mentioned tons of books, tons of lists, tons of graphics, terms. Head over to the show notes, thewealthstandard.com. Make sure you also subscribe to the newsletter and give me your feedback. Love to hear from you. Hello at thewealthstandard.com. All right, that's it. Thanks uh, for tuning in. Thanks for your support. You guys are amazing. And we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Wealth Standard Podcast. Be sure to visit the show's official website, thewealthstandard.com, for appropriate disclaimers and terms of service. Guest opinions are their own. If you require specific investing, financial, legal, tax, or any other specialized advice, please consult an appropriate professional. We welcome and appreciate reviews of the show. Head on over to iTunes or Stitcher to leave your review. And don't forget to subscribe to the show to get access to every new episode and exclusive interviews this season. 
Thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you next time.